Hello everyone, I'm Soumya Rajamanikam and you're listening to Secure Insights, a series of conversations with industry experts, influencers and leaders in the IT security space. In this podcast, I have with me Alisa Valentina Knight, a market analyst focusing on research into cybersecurity issues. She has more than 20 years of experience in cybersecurity and recognized as having published the first advisory on hacking VPN appliances in 2000. Her ultimate goal is to produce strategic plans to many organizations and mitigate the risks across them. Hi, Alisa. Welcome to this podcast. Thank you very much for having me as a guest. Let me begin by asking you, like, nowadays there is a rapid increase in the adoption of fintech, but so does the security threats. Does using artificial intelligence anyway prevent these vulnerabilities? Yeah. Um, so right now, you know, th- there is definitely this move towards machine learning and AI within cybersecurity controls. I I think it's definitely radically changing the, it's radically transforming the cybersecurity landscape. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas 15, 20 years ago, a lot of the security controls like network intrusion detection systems, even, you know, legacy antivirus at this point relied on signatures or patterns to detect threats. And mm-hmm. machine learning and AI, which uh, uh, of course are, are two completely separate things, uh, are definitely changing the efficacy of those security controls. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with okay. with fintech, it's there's definitely uh, advancements being made in this area, uh, and you know, as far as machine learning is concerned, I'll, I'll speak to that I just recently published a report on the entire cybersecurity landscape of machine learning powered solutions, everything from network threat analytics to endpoint detection response, even monitoring solutions. So the neat thing about machine learning is it's even allowing security controls to become more predictive. So, you know, there's, there's some great security solutions out there. For example, Kenna, uh, which is using machine learning to predict the future weaponization of vulnerabilities. And so I, I think it's definitely changing the game. I, I don't think that there is any silver bullet in cybersecurity. So your question of is, is AI preventing these vulnerabilities? I, I, I hesitate to use the word prevention uh, versus assisting in the remediation and detection uh, of vulnerabilities that were previously wrought with false positives and other noise as a result of using patterns or signatures. So, you know, yes, it, it is definitely improving the efficacy of these tools, but, you know, it's, it's that whole thing of, you know, there is no silver bullet. And if an adversary has enough time and willingness to want to get in, they will. Um, but it's, it is definitely improving the efficacy of these tools. And I see that most of the financial service companies are the major target for cyber crimes. What do you think are the effective fintech security measures to keep the data safe? You know, I, I'm always talking about how data is now more vo- more valuable than oil. And with finan- you know, with with financial services, there's definitely a lot there for adversaries to monetize. Um, you know, I I I feel like 
there definitely needs to be more done, especially in a mobile app attack surface. Uh, I'm sure you and your listeners have heard about my recent research into the 30 financial services mobile apps I, I reverse engineered and found API keys and tokens for and hard-coded mm -hmm. credentials for these fintechs and financial services companies. And I, I think there, we definitely need to be doing better when it comes to mobile app security and API security, especially in financial services. I, I think what we need to be doing is financial services organizations need to not only just be doing cybersecurity awareness training regularly with their employees, but they also need to be they also need to be doing cybersecurity, secure development training for their developers who are writing code. And I don't think enough of that is being done. And I think financial services organizations need to start adopting actual frameworks and building information security management systems. So it's a continuous plan, do, check, act process where their cybersecurity program is continuously measured using and monitored using KPIs. Uh, the reporting of that performance to the board of directors and the leadership within the organization and continuously testing their security controls, adopting a test-centric security model, either using breach and attack simulation solutions or just making sure that their security controls are, that, have, that have been implemented are properly configured and are continuously improved over time. I, I, I don't think enough of the planning and checking is being done. <laughs> I think there's too much doing and acting. Um, I, I just, I feel like there just really isn't enough planning happening and continuous monitoring and, and improvement. Um, I, I feel like even in 2019, a lot of organizations are still just implementing set it and forget it. You know, I, I think there's definitely been more of a move to outsource you know, whether it's CM as a service or managed security services providers. But, you know, I think there's more that organizations need to do in the areas of continuous improvement with their cybersecurity program, establishing metrics, establishing KPIs, and actually monitoring against them. That's actually true too. Like uh, security has been the second, I mean, the least important thing uh in the industry i have another question like why is healthcare information system a target for cyber tech security threats you know i, I think I, I think what it is is they're being targeted knowing that probably very little backups are being done um <laughs> you know and and you know you you have you see these really large ransomware payouts with healthcare organizations um yeah. and that's indicative of course that the healthcare uh it's pretty endemic within the sector that backups are are not either reliable or not being done and when adversaries understand that or seeing that they're seeing significantly large payouts for ransomware and you know they're going to continue to go back to the well if it's if it's full and I, th I think the reason why is, you know, there, there's very poor, very little cyber hygiene when it, in the healthcare, healthcare industry, where, you know, patient data, patient records are invaluable. You know, if, if, if you've successfully implement, if you've, success, if you've successfully caused a ransomware outbreak in a healthcare system and 
been able to successfully encrypt healthcare and patient data. And that healthcare organization needs immediate access to it and there are no backups being done. Um, I, I think that's going to be worth a lot of money uh, in, mm -hmm. in the end. And so I, I think also the real-time nature of healthcare organizations where maybe backups are being done, but there have been so many patients and so many changes to those patient records and healthcare data over the last hour, uh, you, you just simply have a situation where either backups are, are not keeping up or access to, you know, there, there's some sort of mitigating circumstance or, or factor that's, that's causing um, the healthcare organizations to still have to pay uh, for those, you know, for to recover that data. Uh, you also ha clearly have a systemic lack of endpoint detection response solutions uh, looking for things like ransomware. Maybe the healthcare organizations are running legacy antivirus, um, not mm -hmm. keeping updated, uh, whatever it may be, clearly something is broken because we continuously see news reports after news reports of, of healthcare organizations paying really large ransomware uh, yeah. Yes, yes, and it's also like most trending thing now, the ransomware. With uh, fintech fueling the growth of tech industries, does it make it more vulnerable to security threats? You know, I, I think when you are increasingly trying to take legacy systems and connecting them or any sort of innovation, um, whether it's healthcare, fin, you know, financial services, or connected car, you know, whenever you have innovation in something and something that was previously, something that existed previous to a digital transformation strategy or uh, prior to getting connectivity, you're gonna open up vulnerabilities. When you open up communication, when you open up connectivity, you create ingress points uh, into that data and it's, it's uh, making it available to be exploited. So yes, I, I think, any kind of technology transformation, any kind of increase in connectivity is going to create an attack surface, which adversaries are always going to be there to exploit. Okay. So uh, with limited resource and budget constraints for cybersecurity measures has always been a challenge in healthcare organization. Uh, what's your advice on how to approach cybersecurity to mitigate these security threats? You know, I, here's the thing. I, I feel like there's some, there's really great solutions out there that for the uh, tight budgets and the budget constrained organizations, you've got open source security tools like Siricata. You've got, um, you know, you've got a lot of, you've got a huge open source community of developers continuously developing and putting out GitHub projects uh, around tools that don't cost anything. You have, for example, the Apache Spot project, which is a free open source Apache Foundation project uh, for security analytics. Um, it's basically a free open source ML powered analytics solution. And I, I, I think, it, which is great. And, and I mean, if you have the internal expertise, you have the internal staff to be able to adopt rollout and continuously give the care and feeding open source security solutions require, I think you can build a pretty uh, robust security control framework um, purely off of open source. Look at Security Onion, for example. I mean, it's a free open source CM solution that gives you network intrusion detection, that gives you endpoint 
log um, core, you know, aggregation and, and capabilities in the endpoints. So, you know, NX log, for example, uh, I just, I feel like there, there are so many cost-effective security controls out there for organizations that really don't have the budget, especially healthcare organizations, where there may not be a large budget for security control adoption, you know, multi-million dollar cybersecurity uh, budgets. So I, I feel like there, there are tools available for those organizations. Uh, even on the commercial side, you still have situations where you have more cost-effective solutions. You have companies that are catering to the SMBs and have SMB pricing. I, I just feel like in 2019, there really is no excuse whether, you know, it's we don't have enough money or, you know, whatever it may be. There's always something any size organization can do. If you look at the my previous vulnerability research, for example, with the financial services apps, it, the the I thought it would be reversed. I thought the smaller startups, like the fintech startups and the you know cryptocurrency wallet startups, that they would be less secure than the big banks with billions of dollars in assets under management. It was it was flipped. It was actually, you know, a lot of the the stronger um, apps, uh, you know, the, with with the fewest problems were actually the smaller smaller companies. And the larger banks, the larger financial services organizations had a lot of the more systemic problems. And so, you know, I I just feel like today it's really it's really difficult for an organization to raise their hand and say oh i'm sorry we don't have the budget for that um that's why we didn't do anything i i just i just feel like that excuse doesn't work anymore uh one more quick question though uh do you think zero trust is better than trust by verify approach Yes, I do. I, I mean, if you look at the tenets of zero trust, whether it's on the network or anything else, it's 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 something we've always kind of always done or should have been doing. Organizations should have been doing from the very beginning, but we just sort of wrapped this marketing term around it. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I, I feel I feel like um, it's definitely. I mean just because an employee works for the organization doesn't mean we should automatically trust them. Yes, Mm -hmm. they have connectivity to the internal network, um, but we should ask that question just because they work here, just because they have access to the network, does that mean they should have access to the specific kind of data? And And I feel like, I feel like that question should have always been asked. And the internal network, the intranet should have always been considered as dirty as the internet. You have the ability in some organizations for who've not turned off their USB ports for employees to plug USB sticks into their computers. You have BYOD, you have employees VPNing in from home. And mm-hmm. so I, I feel like I feel like it it was broken from the beginning. You know, they sh- it should have never been considered the internal trusted network um yes i am a huge proponent of of zero trust uh security frameworks and i believe in sdp i believe in micro segmentation and identifying the the identity authenticating and authorizing the identity of the user not just the node so yes thank you so much for your time alisa i very much appreciate it it's been a pleasure having you here 
thank you. I appreciate Samia. I uh, appreciate you inviting me on the show. And uh, let's talk again. I, I, I love nerding out about these kind of things. And I'm happy <laughs> to do that on your show. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.